You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. sees a brother sinning, a sin which does not lead to death, he, the person seeing, will ask, and he, the Lord, will give him, the person sinning, life to those who commit sin, not leading to death. John is asking us to be intercessors for those we see sinning, those believers who are sinning. He's telling us to be be intercessors for them. You see a brother, and what does that lead to? It leads to the big R word, restoration. Have you ever seen someone you loved commit a sin? It could be a family member or maybe a close friend. In today's message, Pastor Dave explains that we're actually called to be intercessors for them. We're supposed to help them overcome their sin and support their repentance the same way Jesus did. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 John chapter 5 as he continues his message, The Sin Leading to Death. Their belief was that any sin committed after a person was baptized was unforgivable. For this reason, they waited to baptize people until they were on their deathbed. This is very similar to those people who take communion and last rites at the deathbed. This is what he's talking about. But there are problems with this interpretation as well. Many problems, many of this exactly the same as before, But if this be the truth, I venture to say I have a sneaky suspicion that a lot of us sinned after we were baptized. That's just a suspicion for my part. I'm sorry. So if that be the case, every one of us would be out of here. We'd be all gone. Another view is that the believer fell into apostasy. Apostasia is the Greek word. It means a defection or revolt. It's a formal disaffiliation from, abandonment or renunciation of a religion by a person. It can also be designed with a broader context of embracing an opinion that is contrary to one's previous beliefs. If you go back to Hebrews 6, they hang on the word fall away, falling away. This is a reference to apostasy. John has already told us that the denial of Jesus Christ as the Messiah, he declares you're an antichrist if you deny Jesus Christ as Messiah. This could be what he's talking about. Jesus clearly said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before the Father. Is it possible for a person who once claimed Jesus as the Lord and Savior to turn away from him and deny him as Messiah? I believe I might know one or two. Many believe that this apostasy is the sin unto death. But it doesn't quite fit either. Because if you read through the scriptures, true believers in Jesus Christ do not apostate. They are not committing apostasy. You know, 
Once saved, always saved. That group. Only a person who is not a genuine believer in Jesus Christ commits apostasy. This is their theory. This is their theory. So we are stuck with difficult scriptures one more time. What is the apostle speaking about? Is he speaking about physical death or spiritual death? I kind of believe he's talking about both. That's, and I'm going to kind of support my claim here if you will follow my drift here. I'm not trying to confuse anybody. Believe me, I studied this all week and I'm really confused. Many think that this is the best interpretation. Many have come to the conclusion. Now, how have they come to this conclusion? Well, they use the Old Testament people of Nadab and Abihu. They were the sons of Aaron who died because they deliberately disobeyed God. They used Korah and her gang. They opposed God and they died. Achan, one of Joshua's men, was stoned to death. He and his whole family because he disobeyed God and stole something out of Jericho. And how about our buddy Uzzah? We studied about him. They're bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem on a cart. It begins to fall. Uzzah puts his hand on the Ark and God killed him. You might be thinking, well, gee, Dave, that's all Old Testament stuff. Aren't we under the age of grace? Yes, we are. So I'm going to take you to Acts 5, and we're going to talk about Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira. Or how about in 1 Corinthians 11.30, the Christians who, who died because they acted improperly at the Lord's Supper, according to Paul. Or 1 Corinthians 5.1.11, it suggests that a certain believer offended the Lord would die if he had not repented of his sin. You know, the scripture comes to mind when I read this, too much is given, much is required. Too much is given, much is required. This view says that the sin unto death is willful, continuous, unrepentant sin. And that's what's being said, I think, in John, in this part. Why? Well, in 1 Peter 1.16, God has called his children to holiness. And God corrects them when they sin. If we do not judge, confess, and forsake our sin, God must and will chastise us. We're not punished to our sin in the sense of losing our salvation and being eternally separated, but yet we are disciplined. You can read Hebrews 12, 6. Some of us might even be disqualified from service. Here's the thought that John is portraying. There comes a point in time when God can no longer allow a believer in unrepentant sin. The witness is too bad. God can't handle that. He reaches a point And God says, you've suffered enough, my child. I'm taking you home. The death is physical. The death is physical. The person is saved, but God takes them home. (laughs) When I read this, I relate this to when Paul says in 1 Corinthians that some are saved by fire. And I can see this person getting to heaven with the seat of his pants on fire going, whoo, I made it though. Hey, okay. We're all good here. Whoo, yeah, it's good. Why? God at times purifies his church by removing those who deliberately disobey him. The Apostle John makes a distinction between the sin that leads to death and the sin that does not lead to death. Not all sin in the church is dealt this way because not all sin rises to the level of the sin that leads to death. Take hypocrisy. Take hypocrisy, one of the sins. One commentator said this, Thank you, Lord, for not dealing with our hypocrisy in this manner. 
How many of us would be crispy critters after we sing the words, I surrender all? Think about it. In Acts 5 and 1 Corinthians 11, God dealt with intentional, calculated sin in the church by taking the physical life of the sinner. Why? Because God is a just God. He is a good God. And he will, according to what Paul told the Ephesians, eventually make us into a glorious church to present us without spot and without wrinkle before the throne of God. That's his plan. But there is another view that we have to look at that needs to be talked about today. And this is the view that is scary to a lot of us. It is scary to those of us who have friends and neighbors and families who have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and who seem to be having a wall to coming to Lord Jesus Christ. And this is a scary view, especially to me. I have children this way, and it scares me. The sin that leads to eternal spiritual death. Maybe this is what John's talking about. This sin is known as blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. What is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Rejecting Jesus Christ as Savior. Rejecting his work on the cross for salvation and forgiveness of sin. This sin we know leads to spiritual death. I can prove it. In Matthew 12, Jesus is speaking. Jesus is speaking in Matthew 12 in verse 31. This is what he says. Therefore, I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, neither in this age nor in the age to come. This is the unrepentant heart, the heart that is hardened and willfully denies the lordship of the Jesus Christ, especially the work on the cross. Now, God has written in his word that all like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us has strayed. But God laid the iniquity of us all on Jesus Christ at the cross. We're going to be celebrating that in three short weeks. We read even in John, in John 2, chapter 2, verse 2. John talking about Jesus, and he himself is a propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Propitiation is he appeased God's law by dying on a cross. John the Baptist testified him in John 1, 29, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We have all these witnesses that John had given to us. And back in Hebrews, in Hebrews 7, 25, Therefore, he, talking about Jesus, is able to save to the utmost those who come to God through him, since he, Jesus, always lives to make intercession for them. The requirement for eternal life, as we studied in the book of John, is coming to God through Jesus Christ, believing that Jesus is the Son of God, believing he is God incarnate, believing he died on the cross for your sins, and believing that God raised him from the dead the third day. That's what it takes to come to God. Jesus clearly said, responding to Thomas's question, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. It follows that any time anyone tries to come to God on their own effort will not make it. They will not get there. 
The sin unto that then would be seeking God apart from Jesus Christ. This is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come to testify of sin, righteousness, and of judgment. And of these three, Jesus said, of sin, because they did not believe in me. Jesus told Nicodemus that he didn't come to condemn the world, but that through, the, through him the world would be saved. He said, he that believes not is condemned, but he who believes is not condemned, but he who doesn't believe is condemned already, seeing that he has not believed in the only begotten of the Father. Jesus was clear. Not to believe in Jesus for salvation is a sin that leads to spiritual death, eternal death, eternal separation from God. He is the only way, the only way that anyone can reach heaven. This sin will cause you to be eternally separated from the Lord. This is known as the unforgivable sin. Every other sin, the sins of Jeffrey Dahmer, the sins of David Berkowitz, the sins of the Apostle Paul, the sins of David King, the sins of David Shank, are all covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. As long as you accept that sacrifice, as long as you believe with all your heart, that is true. John says in verse 16, there is a sin unto death. I do not say you should pray for them. What? I don't think you should pray for them. It's interesting because in Jeremiah 7, 16, the Lord told the prophet, don't pray for these people anymore. Preach to them. Wow. In other words, the Lord was saying, it does no good to pray for these people. There's a sin unto death. Why? Because their heart becomes so hard, it becomes so rigid, you won't be able to sway them. Your prayers aren't going to be answered. They're going to have to call out, Lord, save me. They have to call out. As I said, there seems to come a time where man's fate is sealed by his actions. We don't know when this is or where this place may be, but when a man's fate is sealed by the Holy Spirit, you can't mess with it. This is what John's saying. We like to say they need to be left to their own devices. They need to be left to their own devices. But don't miss the point of what John is saying here in these two short verses, please. He says in verse 16, if anyone sees a brother sinning, a sin which does not lead to death, he, the person seeing, will ask, and he, the Lord, will give him, the person sinning, life to those who commit sin, not leading to death. John is asking us to be intercessors for those we see sinning. Those believers who are sinning. He's telling us to be, be intercessors for them. You see a brother, and what does that lead to? It leads to the big R word, restoration. Restoration between the sinner and God, because that's what God wants. God wants all to be restored to him. Intercede on a brother's behalf, requesting that he would be restored back into fellowship with the Lord. Remember the context of the verse, please. It goes back to what we studied about the assurance. Having the assurance in verses 14 and 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that when we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he, if he hears us, Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. God wants that person to be restored to him in a relationship. So we pray for that person. We pray for them. However, the one 
who was caught in unrepentant sin, the one who has that hard heart, the one who is grieving the Holy Spirit, not accepting Lord Jesus as Savior and refusing and refusing and refusing, John says, don't pray for him. Ouch. I find that difficult. I do. I find that difficult. Because we know God's will that none would be saved. But I always go back to what happened to Pharaoh. Scripture says, God hardened his heart. Now, you have to look at the wording there. God hardened Pharaoh's choice not to let Israel go. He hardened the choice that he makes. See, God has given us free will. He's given us free will. You can accept him or you can't. Don't have to. He's given us free will. And that's scary. That's scary. John concludes by saying, all unrighteousness is sin, and there is not sin leading to death. Back in chapter 1, John told them that if they had not sinned, they, if they said they didn't sin, they made God a liar. The word wasn't in them. But again, he said you can confess your sin. These are the sins that are not under death. And I venture to say that we probably commit these things on a regular basis. Remember, the word sin means to miss the mark. What's the mark? Perfection. The mark is perfection. Would anyone perfect please stand up? If I said anyone positionally perfect, please stand up. You all should stand. Because positionally we are perfect in heaven. Positionally we are perfect. Thank you, Lord, is right. We are perfect. In reality, there are not, there are many sins that are not unto death, physical death. But all sin leads to spiritual death, separation for God, and one sin leads to eternal spiritual death, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I want to leave you with this. Back in Hebrews, in chapter 3, in verse 7, the Holy Spirit is speaking through the writer of Hebrews, who I kind of believe is the Apostle Paul. There's some argument there. He says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the day of the rebellion, in the day of the trial in the wilderness, where you fathers tested me and tried me, and you saw my works forty years. Therefore I was angry with the generation, and I said, They will all they always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my way. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Now, of course, he's speaking about Israel. Of course he is. But the key is here, it says, today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. The point is clear. As the Holy Spirit speaks, we must hear his voice and allow our hearts not to become hardened. When he speaks to us in volumes and he tells us things, we need to make changes that are necessary in our lives. We need to submit to him. And when you can't make the change, you need to say, help, I can't do it. He knows you can't do it. But he's waiting for you to ask him to help you. He's waiting for you to give it up, though. When we hear spirits speak in scriptures, it speaks to the heart of people. He draws those to salvation by a work. And just as the spirit speaks in many ways, we can harden our heart in many ways. Going back to the old life. Tripping back to the old life. Thinking the old life was so wonderful. Like Israel did with Egypt. Oh, let's go back to the land of leeks and onions where we had something, you know. Longing for that. Unbelief is a way we can harden our hearts. Unbelief can harden our hearts. Asking for more signs. 
I've always contended I don't ask for signs because I'd be the kind of guy that said, Lord, if you want me to do that, write it in the sky. And some plane would come across and write it in the sky. And I'd go, ah, can you make it red? I wouldn't be satisfied with the sign. We can't constantly look for signs. Don't have a heart of presumption to God. Well, if I sin, I know I'm forgiven. So I'm just going to go out and do this. What did Paul say? Shall we sin that grace would abound more? Heaven forbid. Heaven forbid. Notice there's a key word in the verses I read. The key word was the very first verse, very first word of the verse. Uh, I can do this. The very first word of the verse. Today. Today. There's an urgency in the voice of the Holy Spirit. Today. I love this because the Holy Spirit never tells you, you know, wait until tomorrow and then we'll have a good talk. The Holy Spirit says, today is the day of salvation. Today is your day of salvation. Don't trust in yesterday. Don't trust in tomorrow. The Holy Spirit moves and acts in you today. And he might be moving and acting in your heart right now. The Holy Spirit tells us today because it's a genuine invitation we know that through the Holy Spirit, he wants you to come to Jesus. He wants to explain Jesus to you. He wants to show you Jesus. It's a firm invitation for today. It's not an open invitation, but yet it is. But he's saying today, today, come today. The Holy Spirit gives you this information. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would preserve us from the hard-heartedness that would cause us to commit the sin unto death. But we've all accepted Christ as our Savior. At least I look around the room and I believe you have. If you haven't, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart. Today is the day that you accept the sacrifice on the cross. Today is the day that you are forgiven and saved and become a child of God. Today is today. And if you have, today is another day when you can receive all those things. When you can receive all that stuff in your heart. Now I've presented to you multiple views of this verse. You can choose the one that seems to fit best to you. It's your choice. But I will quote a line from an old TV show, Hill Street Blues, when the sergeant used to say, hey, let's be careful out there. Be careful. Be careful with the way you interpret the scriptures. Let the Holy Spirit move you, guide you, and lead you into the truth of Jesus Christ. Into the truth of Jesus Christ. May he be glorified in all that we do here. May he be lifted up in everything that's said here. May we always point to Jesus Christ as the only way to get to God. Because there is no other way. And if you found another way, you're in big trouble. You're in big trouble. Because all those that have died before, Confucius, all of them, said, I don't know the way. I haven't got it. I haven't found it. Now, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You are a We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on A Sure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank available to listen to and even share with your friends and family. 
Just look under the Messages tab. You can listen to additional teachings from this series in 1 John or jump into another book of the Bible. A Sure Hope is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cape May. If you're without a church family, we'd love for you to join us this weekend. We meet weekly on Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. and We'd be happy to meet you and hear your story. You'll find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. Look on our website for directions, as well as the various ministries that we offer. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we understand and we'd still love for you to be a part of our church family virtually. You can join us for Church Online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. Well, this edition is coming to a close, but we're grateful that you've been a part of our listening audience today. Make sure you join us again next time for more from 1 John, where Pastor Dave has more to share about this book. We look forward to that time with you again as your heart is reminded of God's love here on A Sure Hope.